I want to do a little thought experiment with you. And this is something I saw proposed on the internet. And I Googled a lot. You remember where we proposed? Yes. On the what? On the USS Massachusetts. That's right. Um, so this is something I saw proposed as a question on the internet. Um, and I Googled a lot and tried to find like a reliable math-based answer to this question. And apparently it's I found wildly different answers. So it seems really difficult to do. But um, so here's the question is if you are trapped in a grocery store. So we lock the doors to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And this is a thought experiment. It's yes. not real life. So we're going to say that you have access to appliances, cooking stove, whatever. And let's say none of the food goes bad, just as a thought experiment. Okay. How long does it take you, to you just you, to eat through the whole grocery store? Um, it would take me... So this is a standard Just like an size, average size grocery okay, store, like standard, a regular American grocery store. Okay. It takes me uh, 50 years. That seems in the ballpark. So the person who I saw... Well, let's rock a show. Qu- but let, let's mm-hmm. rock a show. 10 of those years are fantastic. 40 <laughs> are terrible. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on, you know, on your tastes when I'm, a little bit. When but... I'm in my poppy seed phase, that is uh, a no bueno on the palate time <laughs> well if you can make lemon poppy seed muffins i think that's delicious well i mean it's better than it could be i'm just thinking um, like there are certain areas when i'm like the pop tart section will be safe for a lot of years for a while for a while <laughs> um yeah and they're like um like chicken livers probably there i'll leave those alone well, right. So, and so the person who asked this question on the internet said that whenever she asks men the question, she gets a, an answer like one year or six months or oh, something. Really? That a lot of men vastly overestimate their abilities to eat through food. And so, when I was looking for people who tried to do some with math based on like roughly the sh- square footage and how many calories they estimate per foot or whatever, we're getting answers anywhere from like five to ten years up to like 50 60 100 years so so your answer is in the ballpark but there's a lot of ranges and i i think it's pretty hard to calculate i'd be really curious um you know if anybody from the actual grocery store industry ever tried to think about that i'm sure somebody could figure out a more reliable answer but it was a fascinating question to me because it does seem like it would be possible to go through the food in what did you say 50 years Yes. Yeah, that seems on the longer side to me. I mean, I might even say like 10 or 20, but maybe I'm crazy. Well, I mean... I mean but yeah, it's true. I mean, when you start to think about how much food is really in there... I mean, if you get one of those rack of chicken drumsticks things that has like 12 or 20 drumsticks in it... Mm-hmm. That's like a few days worth. Yes, of- it's a few days worth. Absolutely. And that's not, we haven't begun to hit sacks of rice. And all oh, that stuff is very filling. Mm, um, that's true. It, there's just a lot of yeah, stuff like that goes along Yeah, like the bulk pasta way. and rice and stuff would bulk take a long time rice, to get all through. All the processed, like um, um, mashed potatoes stuff and all that stuff. All well, plus with- they have all the fresh potatoes and the real potatoes. And yes. we're positing that nothing goes bad here. So we're saying like you could eat all the fresh produce that's in there too. Yeah, I just think it takes a long time. And plus, there's entire chickens and turkeys there. That's Feasibly, true. if we're dealing with something where we're dealing with freezing stuff, 
a turkey can can gobble up uh, gobble up again uh, like uh, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I think fifty years. Fifty years. So, what would you go for first? What would be your first line of attack into the grocery store? First line of attack would be uh the high-end steaks those are the things i can't afford right now because the beautiful well-marbled bone-in ribeyes i'd whack those out i'm not a good um um what's that called uh filet of soul is it filet of soul filet mignon filet mignon i'm sorry I, i'm not good at cooking filet mignon so, so it ends up like every other steak but i'd find a way mm-hmm. um but all the fatty steaks so the rib roast the the uh, those all the gorgeous steaks um, would be first uh, filet mignon and um, and, um, and and that stuff. But then again, there's also in the refrigerated section of stores. Mm-hmm. There's also like refrigerated Alfredo sauces and pestos and things. And I would rock the hell out of those. Obviously, with there would be one bowl of spaghetti, one stick of butter per bowl, <laughs> one big heaping container of pesto. Oh man! But the other thing is, obviously, I'd be dead a year in be- because <laughs> I would weigh nine hundred pounds. And does this place have booze, beer, and wine? I mean, I think in well, I suppose it depends what part of the country you're in, right? right. Some grocery stores do. Yeah, if it had beer and wine, then then you'd really be dead within. I'd be year. dead. Yeah, within four days, I think probably. <laughs> Probably. I just wouldn't go to sleep. I just <laughs> I just drink and eat and do scratch tickets and pass out in aisle six and then wake this is a, not a scenario that where Tom Shattuck should be dropped into. <laughs> Cannot have this. But yeah, all the delicious stuff. And then I mean just delicious cakes. And you know, what that's one thing. Like a, a nice prefab cake, a Duncan Hyde's cake with cake mix is just fine. Mm-hmm. Just fine. And that frosting is fine. Although homemade frosting is can be better because it can be so high octane. You can do that at the grocery store too. Though. Yeah. Oh, good. It's really just butter and powdered sugar is most yeah. buttercream frosting. Add to the fact that I would take up full time smoking while <laughs> while supplies lasted because <laughs> it's high value stuff. How can you not use it? Right? Yeah, I guess. That <laughs> Some true. people have that, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. No, I I just thought like, I was... if there was if I woke up in the morning and went outside to just you know grab a piece of refuse that was because uh, the wind blows down the street here and every house we have the wind has to blow things onto our place. Mm-hmm. If I went outside, no, I'll put it this way: if I went outside on a some morning in 7.45 with the kids at the bus stop and the bus came and dropped them off and on the way back in, some guy came up to me with a shot of tequila and said, hey, my, my name's Phil. I live down the street. I just wanted to have a tequila shot. I didn't want to take it alone. There's no way I'd say no. It's free high-value merchandise. And the same thing, it, it, it would be easier. Or The same thing, I, well, I don't smoke at the moment, but, but the same thing would go for... Um, would be for, um, like, if, if there was some kind of awesome food. I'd absolutely yeah. do it. I, did I ever do that at the time in 1995 when, when my friends Jane and Dana, I didn't even know. 1995. 1995. The best chicken place there was in Brighton, which is where we lived, mm-hmm. near kind of near Cleveland Circle. Um, everybody's lived in Brighton, but we lived in Brighton. The, the best place was... Uh, wing it. 
Okay. Wing it. It was a wing place that was unlike any. They had all sorts of. This is for this area. It was kind of ground floor. Um, delicious, different kind of wings. Really hot, blazing wings. If you wanted, it was just a great wing place. What? Well, remember, you know, wing cuisine was newer then. Hmm. So, um, so like there was one. It was one wing it. Now there's wings over Rookline, wings over this. I think there's wing it back and etc. But, but so, and I we had had wing it a couple times. You know, with friends at parties, isn't that? And I walked to my house in Brighton, and on the porch where I go to get into my apartment was a winget box that had chicken in it. And it wasn't in a bag or anything. It had obviously been somebody's. Yeah. But I opened it. It was some delicious thing, probably Parmesan mm-hmm. garlic thing, gorgeous chicken, whatever. And I brought it in and ate it. And... And only found out later that my friends Jane and Dana had left it there for me. But I didn't know. Oh, it could have been anybody. Could have been anybody's. But it was like you, you can't you can't let that go. That's just neat thing. <laughs> like working at the back of the house for for and I've talked about this for um for uh for functions working in the banquet department whatever mm-hmm. you know when you have these big weddings and they get the orders wrong and there's like a five hundred cherry stone clams. In the back of the house, sitting there on ice, that nobody's. It's like, and they say, "Hey, you guys want these? You can have them." Because the bride and groom apparently didn't order them, and we would just whack all the stuff out in scalloped, bacon wrapped, scalloped things. You know, mm-hmm. you got it. You got to jam those down as much as possible. It's high dollar merchandise, and it's also delicious. But you gotta. Oh, that's a, that's a winner. Oh, I miss that. There's, <laughs> there's there is something to be said for working around big, big food, big banquet. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh yeah I mean I just even love I love working um, like restaurant kitchens or commercial kitchens in general I've done it both um, like as a job and then as like a volunteer at camp and stuff and there's something that makes me just so happy about all those big industrial size containers of things oh. like giant cans of stuff the big like foot wide things of jalapenos or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the one that like, takes the special opener that's attached yeah. to like a metal table. Yeah, all the huge containers. There's something so fun about that and exciting and it's like a good feeling to have access to all these, yep. you know, um, I forgot what they're called, the the racks of the big pans yes. that, that you can store everything on. Yeah, so you, is that like, we used to call them that? queens maybe? Maybe I'm or, bad at knowing the names yeah. of the stuff, but There's, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, have... there's something awesome too when you'd have big functions and mm-hmm. you'd have racks and racks of plated food, and you just open them up to see which one it was. Oh, here's the fish. Here's the filet mignon. Here's the whatever. Oh, that's a great thing about working. When I worked at the Harvard Club, mm-hmm. um, before every like wedding and big event we had, which was really. The way they worked was just was just very interesting. But before they'd feed us all, we'd all get the like the team along with the kitchen crew would all eat together. It was it, it was good bonding? Yeah. And, and also the the chefs there, the cooks there were they were proud of their food because it was very high end stuff. Yeah. So it was very good. It was very interesting because then our my job was to put all the champagne on ice as a as a bartender, fill up my bar with stuff. It, somebody else's job to push it out there. Um. And and then we do a wine pour. They do the toast. We do another wine pour, uh, and then like pour champagne. And this we'd never stop really doing it. We go back from behind the bar and tend the bar, and then like uh, clear wine glasses and then go home. It was just very regimented. And then there'd be desserts out, of course, at that time. 
It's not a great story, actually. I'll try to work on it. Um, but um, but yeah, I, lo- I love the industrial food stuff, too. I think about that all the time. Our friend, our next-door neighbor, he's got one of those uh, chocolate milk cows. You know, the thing that has chocolate milk? He She fixed it, Cyril. Um, uh, that it, the, the one of those big things that's refrigerated mm-hmm. that they have in banquet rooms that we yeah. used to use. And that, to me, too. Like, I just, I can't have... I can't have mm-hmm. a kegerator around because I'll drink all the beer, and I can't have a chocolate milk dispensary because I'll drink three thousand liquid tons of chocolate milk. Can't some things I can't just have. I've also turned down a deli slicer before too. So that, really, we used to have a deli slicer when I was a kid. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But why? Because it's all um, processed anyway. Well, no. I mean, other I think... than the fact it's awesome in like really thinly ch- sliced cheese is beautiful. Yeah, no, because we would slice like cheese. I think it was considered like economical to buy the big block of cheese and slice it. Really? Versus to do the little thing. Or, you know, we would buy, you know, sometimes at church we'll host the people that have the Hungarian hams or whatever, like those dry hams. So if you have, if you buy a big hunk of ham off the Eastern European meat sellers, then you can slice it on your deli slicer. Yeah. But yeah. We've had those um, at the pizza place I worked at too. We had a slicer and sliced big things of um, like provolone and Ooh. yeah, to make like beach pizza, that kind of pizza where you arrange the provolones on it and it makes the nice pattern on the crust. Provolone? Oh, cheese. Oh, cheese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I see beach pizza is big around here. I, yeah. I it's huge. Um, but yeah, deli slicers are great. But yeah, even just the logistics, I mean, Restaurants are kind of a different animal. When I did it at camp, it was also fun because you're doing, you know, you're not doing like made to order for individual people. You're doing like industrial size meals for 100 to 150 people that are like, you know, roughly everybody's getting the same thing with Mm -hmm. maybe a couple options. But doing food at that scale, like making pancakes for 150 people mm. is like a crazy operation and it's or like french toast for 150 people yeah you know when somebody hands you a bowl and is like crack 50 eggs into here Isn't you know, it's really a cool feeling and i'm like that anyway as you know like when i do christmas cookies i'll make like on i like quadruple the recipe yes i realize that yes. <laughs> but um but it those like big scale food operations you know, you know, are so Alice, fun. That we've that we've uh, terminated the maid's position, right? <laughs> you know that after your industrial cookie making is done, no one cleans up. C- no, yes, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting though because I'm a big like recipe doubler. But somebody once told me, and this stuck in my head, that she doesn't believe in doubling recipes. Why? And I was like. What do you mean you don't believe in it? Like you just double all the numbers and I mean and she's like, I don't think it works. She's like, I make the same recipe twice. Hmm. Because her belief was that and I think there's probably something to this that when you do it too big, like it changes the cook times and things don't cook as well. Like you can't put the same twice the amount of stuff in if you're making a stir fry mm-hmm. into your pan and right. stir it you can't get the same amount of air you're right it, and everything can't get as saturated as it might be with right. the juices etc so yeah. her feeling was that you shouldn't double recipes you should make it twice yeah i guess so which is an interesting i've never you know 
it's never stopped me from doubling a recipe, but it did it did stick in my head and I've thought about it since. Because at first I was just like, what do you mean you don't believe in it? Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, I, I like big food operations. It makes me happy. So um, maybe that's why I had so many kids. Uh, okay. You know what I'm okay with as well? What are you okay with? I'm okay with us not doing... Um not doing i see it all over like i'm watching the food network here making gingerbread zombies making um sushi brain with avocado and sushi inside it's supposed to look like a brain for halloween Mm -hmm. i'm not into this rebranding stuff for halloween into witchy stuff etc halloween first of all there shouldn't be a halloween cuisine it can simply be halloween's just a candy time it's a candy shakedown time, you know, monsters and this and that. But, it, but yeah, I don't need all of these themed things uh, that are just supposed to look... Which reminds me of the pumpkin spice thing, actually. It's the same same kind of thing with the pumpkin spice thing. Um, I don't mind there being, like, Halloween cuisines, but most of it seems... Well, at least to me, maybe it's just what I see on social media, but a lot of it seems geared towards kids, like making foods that look like little mummies or whatever, or, you know, it's like cutesy stuff more so than, you know, I don't think adults should be like big into making foods that look like little ghosts or whatever. Do you? Yeah, I don't like food, little ghosts. uh, But But yeah, I mean, I get it. And I don't... I know that I get in trouble for this in our family because people think I'm being like a prude or something, but I don't like stuff to be too dark or scary. Like, do you remember when Neil Patrick Harris got in trouble because they did like some kind of dead Amy Winehouse cake at their Halloween did party? He really? Yeah. What was he thinking? Yeah, it was gross. It was like pretty, it was not that long after she died too. And it was like at a Halloween party thing. And This is in The Guardian, creepy, but- Alice. This mm-hmm. is a season of crunchy leaves, chunky knits, and pumpkin spice latte misogyny. It's PSL season. That's pumpkin spice latte. Keep it up. Which also means it is pumpkin spice misogyny season. If you're not familiar, the idea that there is predominantly male tendency to mock the predominantly female enthusiasm for the arrival of spiced orange beverages at this time of year, it's derided as basic, along with rhapsodizing about crunchy leaves, chunky knits, big scarves, new boots, and other seasonal uh, Pinterest board signifiers. Women are dismissed as vapid, cheap-like materialists, while men who make pour over the coffee that tastes like stomach acid... Um, in vessels that wouldn't be uh, out of place in a 17th century alchemist workshop are discerning, rugged individualists. The fight back challenges uh, the way girl stuff gets derided and takes issue with the received wisdom that is somehow admirable not to like what other women like. It also wonders whether a gritted teeth commitment to cool causes men to deny themselves the simple joys offered by the stuff that gets sneered at. Now that's interesting. I think there's something to that actually, and I yes. think it's I think it's related to the reason why um and you know obviously we've talked about this a lot this week between the other show and the show but um to why like the Taylor Swift thing is considered basic is because it is like sort of yes. a basic girly thing. Mm-hmm. And there's and especially autumn culture 
and pumpkin spice lattes and how they fit into that. But autumn culture in particular is seen as a part of that. It's like the Ugg boots plaid shirt wearing um, absolutely you know starbucks cup carrying yes thing. Uh, yeah blowing into a hot latte mm-hmm. to cool and the even time people bit. do associate even like taylor swift music with the season also there have you ever heard the phrase sad girl autumn no as opposed to like hot girl summer sad girl autumn no that uh, you know that that's it's a big like girly season to be into all that stuff and certainly with the decor choices people are way into their fall decor Yes. You know, you can even, um, if you're wealthy, which we're not, but you can even um, pay people to do your seasonal house decorating yeah, for you. Yeah, people do that around here. Yeah, you can you can pay people to do that, to come do your seasonal stuff. And it's it's definitely like a basic chick thing to be doing, but, but but it makes people happy. And like, I don't know why people have a problem with that. I happen to actually not really like pumpkin spice. Like pumpkin spice lattes and stuff. It's not yeah, my. But it's it's but it's delicious. I mean, it's just, I, it's well, just pumpkin I don't love, sugar warm stuff. But, I don't love the flavor. I mean, I'd have like a peppermint latte any day over it or whatever. Okay. You know, I it, pumpkin doesn't really do it for me. But, uh, but I but you know, it makes people happy and like people love the season and they like walking well, it, it around in their happy boots because, and stuff. Because let's be honest, mm-hmm. a, a latte doesn't do. It, its only job is to be like a lovely little Pomeranian dog. That's a you, you, yeah. It's fluffy in, and sweet. Exactly, because it's not a caffeine shot. You know, it, it has caffeine in it, but it's not like the best way to mainline caffeine. That's not how you do it. And it's the same thing with like like chocolate martinis. You know, right? They taste good. They don't taste like straight vodka. They some of them taste like chocolate milk. It's delicious mm-hmm. and wonderful. And girls should be liking that stuff. You know, men as protectors, as the the people who, uh, at the end of the day, have to lead and grind and do things. At least nature. Um, you don't. Men don't cover themselves and wear, you know, get naked and wear fur coats inside out. That's not a guy thing to do. That's a woman thing to do. I know it would be comfortable. <laughs> I know a woman who used to do that. She used to. It was a. We had a. Me, my my brother, my dad, of course. Well, had a, we had a, a hairdresser in Winchester who was probably in her 20s she was very pretty mm-hmm. and she um uh, and she used to talk to her friend while they were cutting hair saying yeah she used to her husband got her a fur coat which she loved and she used to just get naked and wear the fur coat inside out all the time and just mm-hmm. like lie on the couch that's a very pumpkin latte yeah. kind of full You're mainlining comfort, not mainlining caffeine is the point. Exactly. The and I always like that too because it just shows just how um like innate in like nature it is to like sh- more than willing to use the dead fur of a dead animal to derive comfort. <laughs> you know, there's something very woodsy about it and like She's fine. I don't want to see you kill the the ferret, but make sure the ferret's dead and attached to all the other ferrets, and make sure I'm wearing it tomorrow. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I'm down. I I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not dismissing um, the pumpkin latte culture. I don't think girls have girly stuff. That's just it. I always liked that. I thought it was great. The best ever when I was single. The best ever. Uh, bachelor pad I had was the one called we called the Dudio. It was a studio, that, but I was a dude, so mm-hmm. it was a Dudio. 
in my bathroom was totally girly stuff. Because I loved when I would be at girls' houses and like how girly stuff their bathrooms were. So I had everything was red and matching and smelled good and all sorts of stuff like that you'd find at a woman's place. Because mm-hmm. that's the, the, everything, they're just neat like that. Yeah. It's, I've always dug that. Some guys like I want no part of that, but I've always dug it. But it's because I didn't have sisters and I put women on pedestals. So true. So true. Um, important mac and cheese news. Uh, Kraft is bringing back the SpongeBob SquarePants mac and cheese. Ugh. Which, ah. But I know you don't care about SpongeBob SquarePants, but this is important because people feel that the SpongeBob SquarePants shapes were one of the best sets of shapes for the cheese sauce. Hmm. That they were really good. So, you know, and people, there have been like petitions to bring it back for years now because people loved the SpongeBob SquarePants mac and cheese shapes. Not necessarily because they were super into SpongeBob, although maybe some of them are, but because there was a feeling that these were like one of the best sauce gripping shapes. Um, So, good to know that people are thinking about their pasta shapes, especially in mac and cheese. Um, and our our kids actually you made the mac and cheese the other day from one of those um like freezer oven mac and cheeses yes and they kind of said like oh we only like craft and annie's shells because they're mac and cheese snobs but you know it made me realize we haven't done a ton of oven mac and cheeses with them and they don't fully appreciate that oven mac and cheese is kind of its own separate good animal from box mac and cheese it Oh, totally. totally. Now, are you talking about homemade oven mac and cheese? Well, that's one possibility, but there's also... I mean, obviously, Stouffer's mac and cheese is it, beautiful. It's a gold thing. standard. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's restaurant quality, if not better than most restaurant quality. Mm-hmm. And it is something that, like... I mean, a lot of frozen things are kind of blah. I'm creeped out by, like, the the frozen sandwiches like frozen burgers or frozen breakfast sandwiches skeeve me because anytime i'm like microwaving a sandwich with bread it grosses me out but so the to me like the frozen foods the frozen pre-made foods a lot of them creep me out i don't really like that but you know the the stouffer's lasagnas and mac and cheeses really are like beautiful beautiful coming straight out of the freezer you know, as good as a fresh one you can make, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've always been a fan of the Stouffer's one. Absolutely, I'm. 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 It, there are some knockoffs now that are in the cold section that I made mm-hmm. the other night that I actually liked as well. Yeah, but I definitely think that. Well, and I actually think too. I know. Um, you know, Walmart is has kind of a bad rep, but their um like frozen family size meals are an incredible value they are so low cost and so huge and i'm sure they're full of all kinds of junk that you shouldn't be eating or feeding your kids but i mean they're big and they're so inexpensive and like they they're in a pinch if you don't have a lot of time to feed everybody then then the walmart frozen meals are really like a fantastic choice there was one other big um thing that i wanted to talk about this was a story that somebody tweeted out a few days ago so um well i'll just read you this and i'll see because we we've seen a lot of this actually um out there in the world 
This person tweeted this story. I once worked for a woman who inherited a fortune and decided to spend it on revitalizing the small town near her farm. She started a top-notch farm-to-table restaurant that drew customers from as far away as Chicago and St. Louis, added a wine shop next door, put in a craft distillery next to the restaurant on the other side for her son to run. Many of the locals loved the place. Prices were reasonable. Other locals hated it. It lasted for a few years. Ultimately, hiring was the downfall. She kept cycling through managers. Her spoiled son was not qualified to run anything and burn money at the distillery, which never amounted to much. Oh, man. Eventually, the young, talented chef left for a bigger challenge and the quality of the restaurant stumbled. At the same time, she opened another small plates cafe down the street and the restaurants competed for business. She died and everything closed. Her son tried moving the business to a nearby city where he lived, but that didn't work out. I admire her vision, spending her fortune to try and improve her hometown, but that kind of thing... Sorry. But that kind of thing is apparently extremely hard to get right, even with virtually unlimited funds. Hmm. And I think... So clearly, like where we go up in Vermont, there's been various attempts at that. Some that work out better than others at little like craft things, um, you know. But this, yeah, kinda... well, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about what's worked and what hasn't worked. So what hasn't worked consistently are these restaurants that people come out of New England culinary schools, mm-hmm. and there's a big one in in uh, Barry, Vermont, um, and and managed to get big loans and put in a semi high um uh high what am i thinking high end high end restaurant mm-hmm. and these restaurants look tony and cosmopolitan and chic and which, sometimes which, aren't which, even that expensive well you know but you can tell money's being spent somewhere and these places could fit in cambridge massachusetts mm-hmm. or around beacon hill but we're dealing with vermont here in a section of vermont that is that is not high end anymore it was 100 years ago right so, so those a lot of those just don't last, and we see them. We see them every few years, and the and the and farm to table, and they think this is it, but you just can't. There's not enough clientele around, and not enough who's going to spend that much money. Mm-hmm. These, um, but what does work? There's a place called Connie's Kitchen up there, and what happened was about 20 years ago, this woman named Connie, I forgot her last name, in Greensboro had a. Do you remember when Connie's Kitchen was in the house in Greensboro? Um, I think that was right around the time you and I. Okay, well, she had yeah. she had a, this small, modest house on a road, main road in Greensboro, Vermont, mm-hmm. and she would make a couple of things in her own kitchen and sell them outside. Yep, and her stuff was great, and baked beans she made was great, and and she was just a great cook. And then it just got so big, <sighs> and Connie, she had so many orders, is that. She just had to expand. And then her daughter started running it. She passed away. Mm-hmm. Her daughter started running the show. And now they've got a like a brick and mortar in the town with full demand. They're also right. supplying restaurants around and other things. Full demand. So that started organically small. You know? Mm-hmm. These other places that start big where they, they roll the dice, it's very tough to, to grow like that, especially in a place like Vermont. Right. And it's also tough... It's tough to revitalize very rural places. And this spawned a big debate on Twitter that I was looking at a lot of because I get curious about this topic. It's tough to revitalize very rural places with things that are like very city people tastes. Yes. Right? Like you can only have so many yoga places and Tony farm to table Mm -hmm. restaurants and all these types of things. And like that stuff's nice, but you need people 
you know, working in factories or, you know, where we were in Vermont, it was the granite industry was the big one where everybody worked that, you know, gave people actual disposable cash and built up all this, um, you know, wealth that people were spending in the area when it was like a, a thriving little city. But, um, you know, you it's it's a little bit putting the cart before the horse in terms of putting in some of these places when the area just doesn't have that set of tastes and that that particular set of consumption habits. Right. Yeah, you're right. And, and as you're also dealing with it's a cross culture too. Mm-hmm. You know, sure that you might get some people who were moneyed who moved up from New York to be right. able to blend right into this. You're also dealing with a place where there's a lot of hunting. People eat game, mm-hmm. you know, and and get their own food. Well, right, or make like jams and jellies yes. and things and which, trade it among themselves. When you too. talk about like the Connie's Kitchen thing, it's that's very much, um, you know, organically people are coming up with that stuff because that's more traditional foods and like more to the taste of the area I think too but but there is a tendency among city people to think like oh this area is poor and depressed and if I come in and make a fancy restaurant for Mm -hmm. rich people it will magically make it like my Brookline neighborhood even though you can't you can't artificially induce that type of wealth into the area by by pretending that it's there no it's it's like you can do a brewery at a time and cheese at a time but to have you know an international cosmopolitan zagat guide uh you know acknowledged restaurant that's a it's a bigger gamble but if it does work and i hope it does work by the way then all the better I hate nostalgia cause I can't climb up that hill Without thinking your name I hate nostalgia still think about you It's been so long I'm so lame I hate nostalgia Hope you hate it too Hope you wonder what am I doing and who I'm pursuing I hope you think I lead Really exotic life the way I think about you You probably have a wife of your job And you go to church on Sundays And barbecue on weekends out in your backyard And sometimes think about me 